Hi, everyone. This is Aisha and Julia. Welcome to Meet Me at the Bookstore, a podcast dedicated to all things bookish. How long did it take you to read and finish this? Because, like, I know it took me like a good twenty-four hours to all together. Yeah, probably yeah. something like that. It was very quick. <laughs> I think I read maybe twenty percent, thirty percent day one, and then just had my head down the next yeah. day. From the moment I opened the book, I was like sucked in so deeply. I no, yeah. So I started reading it the weekend. It was like super sunny outside. So it's like I'm going out for a walk. Let me take it with me, and I'll sit by the lake and read it. And I was like, well, thank God I had sunglasses on. And thank God I had tissues in my baby pack. Because I was like, uh, what the hell did we just start reading? I actually, I, I read like, a good... Why are we doing this? A good part of it on the plane to Se- Sevilla. And, okay, I heard somewhere that planes, because of the altitude or something, you're more emotional in the air, which makes sense if you think, like, I don't know about you, but I cry a lot when I watch, like, certain movies on the plane. And so, yeah, planes make you more emotional. And I was, yeah, I, there were tears. And I was, like, <laughs> like sniffing and, like, wiping away tears. <laughs> I, I, I need to reread part one again because I didn't take my highlighter and I knew there's a lot of parts I wanted to highlight. Yeah, so we should probably introduce what book we're talking about, even though obviously it's in the title of the episode. But today we are doing another deep dive and it is into Saba Tahir's All My Rage. Yes. And you might have heard us talk about Saba Tahir's other books, which are the Ember and the Ashes series. And we were inspired to then read this book. It's completely different. It is also young adult, but it's not fantasy. It's fiction this time. And we were not disappointed, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah, I am so glad we picked this. And I think, as you said, we've both read her other works, A Number in the Ashes. So we're acquainted with her writing Mm -hmm. and her amazing skills. And I think this is an obvious yes when we were trying to decide what book to do for a deep dive. Is this our second deep deep dive? dive? Or is it our third? What was our first one? I'm mixing it up with our rereads because we reread. I know. Well, um, our second, we deep dived The Love Hypothesis. Oh, we did um the Pierce apartment for a deep dive. Yeah, for a deep dive because yeah, yeah that's our third. So we we do a deep it. dive yeah. every yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good one. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny because it's also so different from the Ember and the Ashes in so many ways, right? Of course, because it's you know it's not fantasy, but no, it's interesting. I'm, I'm and we'll we'll be getting into it. <laughs> all right. So our current read. Yes. All right. Do you want to go or should I go? I can go. So. Yeah, I probably started A Little Life. I'm only one chapter in. It's, it's such so, a big like, book. It's like I've been distracted like with other things happening. But uh, so I'm only a chapter in. We'll see. But I have to finish that by like the time I'm in England before the play. I need to like be ready. But I'm actually reading The Phoenix King by Aparna Verma. And she is an author I've been following on my bookstagram account for a while now. And she self-published her fantasy book. It was under a different title. But she had self-published this book, I think, maybe over COVID. It's republishing it and it's coming out in August. So I, I ordered the physical copy but I was approved to read an arc through NetGalley. So I'm reading the arc and I'm very excited because it is just filled with South Asian representation and inspiration and it's great. And I've been, it's great also because, like I said, I've been following this author so I've been seeing different fan art that she's had created or different art that she's had commissioned. So I'm like slightly picturing the characters based off what I've seen on Instagram. So it's really good. It is so interesting. So it's clearly like a fantasy book but it's got a lot of like dystopian sci-fi stuff in it 
and I guess because it's an arc, so I don't I don't have the proper view of a map, which I really need because there's just different kingdoms, and I'm like love a map, need a map, always. I I, I, I need a map because they're like talking about several kingdoms, and I'm like shit. Who are we talking about? Like where are they in relation to the main? kingdom we are talking about i am confused but anyway so it's like i don't know what the correct adjective is historical in that sense like being old-timey and all that with kingdoms and all but then they have things like hollow pods it's like an apple watch essentially but like that pops up like a hologram or something or they're like on hoverboards and all that flying around and i'm like this is so like so think aladdin yeah star wars tech right and it's very, but it's still like old timey yeah. like the way they it's dress is old timey yeah how do you feel about that because i feel like i love old timey like high fantasy-esque so much versus sci-fi i don't know i mean i like that i think this might be the first time that they've been combined together so it's they're wearing more traditional stuff like she's wearing a langa but they have really cool armor they had little um sparring and it made me think of the hunger games i think particularly catching fire so one of the characters he has this armor put on and it's basically designed to like mold over your skin and it can detect your weak points of your body so like for me it would detect my left knee is weak so I'll put extra padding there to protect it. Not what I was expecting with the context of the story. That is pretty cool. But yeah, I'm liking it so far. It is definitely, I don't know if it'd be really an enemies to lovers or like haters to lovers because they're not rivals, but she doesn't like him and he's there, but he's assigned to be her guard. And I'm like, ooh, this is going to get so good because you know, like he's going to, probably swoop in somehow and like end up saving her she's gonna get annoyed i'm here for all of that love the trope the are you hurt who hurt you (laughs) who hurt you oh god Um, anyway we're really enjoying it i'm like it's really interesting Ooh, love that you're back on the fantasy grind so i recently brought a bunch of books back from the bookstore where i'm working at because i can borrow secondhand books and then buy new books for 20 percent so I've been taking some books home with me and one of the ones I found so interesting I started reading it at the bookstore and I couldn't put it down and it's called One Foot in Front of the Other How I Survived Being Alone and Homeless on the Streets of Paris by Anne Webb so it is this American woman who essentially went on vacation to Europe and she'd been living paycheck to paycheck in America but always had a job like was a I believe like nurse aide or something like that and saved up money to travel to Europe and it was all fine financially but the thing is there was like a series of honestly unfortunate events that happened at the end that caused her to like lose her flight ticket because like you know the pilots went on strike like so French and then she had this like prepaid credit card which is almost similar to a debit card but like I would say it's more similar to a debit card but she didn't have like a bank account it's kind of confusing but like she didn't have enough money to like buy a full other ticket like she tried to but they canceled it it's not important whatever the point is she ended up having no money for a plane ticket home and then eventually she ran out of money trying to you know stay at hotels and stuff and like this is a place where she doesn't know anyone doesn't speak the language and it's just like a crazy perspective because I mean when we think of an American in Paris we think of like all these glamorous stories we think of the writers the artists you know and this is just such a juxtaposition from all those stories and I think even everyone she talks about is also so um surprised when they learn that she's American I mean it's so 
hard to read about. And it's not particularly well written, I will say. But I think her story itself is very captivating. And that's what I'm taking from it. I mean, it's obviously a firsthand account of her living on the street and trying to make it in this country that she has been stranded in. Yeah, it, it just gives you perspective on things, you know. I can't really wrap my head around why this has happened to her, even though like she explains it. I'm like, why didn't you do this? Of course, Mm -hmm. right? But what I like, the fact is it happened. For me, what is more interesting is hearing how she actually literally has to cope with this because at the end of the day, this is her situation. I think that she could have, could she have done things to help herself in different ways, maybe. But I think that she was dealing with a lot of things and she must have been so terrified and scared when she like ran out of money, which was pretty quick, to be honest. And it was winter. Like she was like literally homeless during winter. It made me feel very grateful for, you know, what I do have. But it is a story of strength and she is in her own way, obviously very strong for having survived what she did. All right, yeah, let's talk about All My Rage. So warning, there's spoilers in this episode. If you want to read this, which we highly, and you don't want spoilers, please go read it and then come back and listen to this and then let us know what you think. If you don't mind or don't care, continue on with us. Keep on listening. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really glad I suggested this for us. Honestly, I was being selfish. It's because I had it on my bookshelf and I was like, let's read it. (laughs) That was a good choice, very good choice. I'm very happy to have read this one. Should we start with the synopsis breakdown yeah do you want to do you want to do it sure Sorry, I so, just like talk to look about retelling so my mouth is really dry <laughs> um sure so this book is told in a dual timeline and the first perspective is from mispa who is the mother of one of the main characters in the current timeline and we get to hear her story starting from her living in pakistan and getting married and coming to the U.S. uh, where she moves to Juniper, California, which is this small little desert town where she has a child and grows a family. Then in the current timeline, we still see Mispa in the current day, but it's from the perspective of her son, Sal, and the other perspective during this current timeline is his best friend, Noor. And so you have Sal and Noor, and they are best friends who recently had a big fight, as we come to learn, because Noor was in love with Sal and he basically rejected her. And they're trying to figure out how to still like maintain a relationship or not in the wake of this big fight that kind of ruptured what they had. And so those are the two timelines we have going on. And just a lot happens in both. And they start out more separately. But as time goes on, you really see how the past has impacted the future and how trauma is passed down generationally. I was just going through the things I highlighted. and I was like, I'm in the feels again. (laughs) Um, Did I miss anything from my synopsis? I don't think so. I think you had it. I um, think that was pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> so do we want to talk about her writing first and then the characters or characters on the yeah. writing? Yeah. Just like overall thoughts on the writing. Yeah. We had similar thoughts. I mean, we kind of mentioned this when we first started talking, but her writing is so fast paced and intense in this book. I was hooked immediately. I'm pretty sure from like the first page onward, I was like, this isn't a book where you like read a page, put it down. No, 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 no. if you have no time don't bother reading this book like it will just you will not get things done if you have things to do wait till they're done and then get here (laughs) this is your reward (laughs) um no really because you're so right like 
for me, it was like the first lines, the first chapter, which is really the first page that sucked yeah. me in. And I took this when I went for out, out for a walk and I was like, oh, let's read a chapter, go a lap, read a bit. And I was like, oh, shit. Wait, do you is- read while you walk? No, I always, it's because it got so nice out that I was like, instead of just going for a walk, let me take the book out with me, go sit at a, like a okay. chair or a bench, read a bit, then go go for a few laps and then read a bit. Um, I don't okay. take my book. I don't need that added weight. But back to our writing, I was saying like the introduction, like, can I read the first line of the yeah. book? So first line, the clouds over Lahore were purple as a gossip's tongue the day my mother told me I would wed. Great line. I mean, how, how powerful I purple as the gossip's tongue. I just thought, yeah, the it's so um not tangible. What that's not the word. It's so you can really see that, and it's it, it's such it's, a colorful you know, way. I mean, I know you mentioned color, but you, yeah, <laughs> like so. Yeah, my thing is this: I, a lot of my highlights in here, and I'll try and go through it. Maybe later on, I'll record it. We can put it on Patreon or whatever. But her describing color was so beyond. Like, oh, he had brown eyes. It's like no, her mm. eyes were. The color of melting caramel. And you're just like picturing these things so vividly. And I know it sounds so stupid saying, but like it really enhanced her writing and storytelling that you're just so sucked in to um, what that character is experiencing. Yeah. And now that you met, like when you mentioned color, I think she actually really highlights a lot of other senses too. I mean, even she talks about like the scent and smells of a lot of the cooking that Miss Ba will cook. And you have these beautiful memories that both Noor and Miss Ba have of Pakistan. And they're just so rich. And you you really see their love of Pakistan shining through and how they keep their traditions and their, you know, whether it's cooking or the way they dress or the shows they watch, how they've kept that with them in the US. And I loved how you have that beautiful description of Pakistan that Sabatir brings contrasted against some other characters' perceptions of Pakistan, whether it's the racism that the characters experience or if it's the internalized racism that Noor's own uncle who was born and raised in Pakistan that he has against his own country and religion. Um, I just thought that juxtaposition was very interesting and really highlighted the beauty and the, the also like the negative aspects that you can have. Well, yeah, I think she's just showing because people are so, people are cruel as we'll talk about in this book. And as it reminded me, and I just wanted to fight people for these characters, but people are cruel. And she's just portraying that, yeah, fine, there's these negative connotations about this country, but it's actually such a beautiful place with beautiful people from there. Yeah. Who have such a deep love for their homeland. She's a Pakistan American. Like, I love how proud she is of where she comes from and is showing that love herself. Yeah. um, But you can really see it in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But. I wanted to say another quick line about the color thing. So this is where I was talking about the caramel. It's like, sorry, she whispers, not squeaking out, but soft and buttery, like the word is made of caramel. Her brown eyes made my head spin, that delicious vertigo of tipping your head back on a playground swing and watching the horizon crest and crash. It's a good one. Like what? <laughs> Just that like, this dude is getting vertigo because of this girl <laughs> looking at him. Yeah. But like, it, it's so much better of a description. Like, and be like, yeah. oh my god, she she looked at me and I got the butterflies. Like, no, yeah. vertical, like when you're like on a place swing and you've thrown your head back. Yeah, and you that know is- what's interesting? I'm just realizing about that. It's it's almost like, I mean, considering that the narrator for that is like a, like a high school boy, it almost sounds overly lyrical. But I think the point too was that it's more reminiscent of the lyrical language of Urdu, if I'm not mistaken. Like there's mentions in the book about how about that, poetic, but- like Urdu or like, 
other languages. Punjabi. Punjabi. Or yeah, Punjabi. Are. I didn't, I mean, the thing is this, Salah, and we'll get to him, like, he's a writer. So there's also yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, I feel like we could go on and on about Samatakir's amazing writing. We'll get to, I mean, we'll talk about it more when we go into the characters. I wanted to go back to the first chapter. I think it's in the first chapter where Miss was talking a bit about how she's found out that her mom wants her to get married. And she's basically saying how she wishes for her future husband to be a gentle husband, a good man, and basically overall that he's not unbroken. Because like to her, if he's unbroken, wait, no, wanting him to be unbroken. Because if he is broken, she, to her mind, he's likely to hurt her. And I just thought it said so much about a woman's fear of men or just like what could happen from marriage. And that's not, it's not a theme that's played out too much, but kind of, is. of a broken, of a broken no no i was like the theme of a broken man is but i mean we could talk about it with miss bud but it's like her husband wasn't abusive so it's like she didn't have it but do you have other people who are abusive yes so that's yeah. what's like it plays in a bit but right she's not, not in the way you think personally. yeah but i think yeah. i mean going back to that chapter what you said about i think she wished for like a kind good man but what she should have been wishing for was an unbroken man and it's like she didn't even think about that aspect and it ended up playing a big part in her life and her family's life and then I guess I mean I have one more thing to add about the writing overall and it's the fact that the emotion of this book was so intense and you really feel for the characters you I felt like all the emotions love injustice anger hopelessness sadness it's like really a roller coaster rage the main one exactly it really is a roller coaster and have you it will have you feeling all the feels I guess in a way to add on to that, Saba Tahir pissed me off, though, <laughs> that she continued on her thing of just killing off people. The best. What is best. wrong with her? Like, what is wrong with her? And, like, I follow her on Insta. And, like, I remember her seeing stuff before I think All My Rage, like, came out and all. But she was just, like, evil laugh, like, killing off my character here and there. And I was just like, what? Okay. Yeah, everyone dies. Now I know. So now I know. <laughs> And then, I mean, talking about, like, all the death, there was just, like, so much death, so much, like, trauma. Every time I thought, like, oh, wow, things just couldn't get worse for this character. And then it's, like, surprise. Their life just got so much worse or it was just, like, so much worse than you already thought. Like, You know that TikTok sound that's, like, surprise, shoddy? That's what it was. <laughs> I would just be, like, oh, we're good. And then I was, like, oh, no. I've just been hit by a car and then, like, just been <laughs> run over it back and forth with raw emotion like I I was gonna say this till the end I the second day I read it was on a Monday I did some work 10 of my meetings I just sat at my desk the whole day <laughs> reading the book hunched over sobbing and the only time I got up was like to go pee eat and get more tissues because I was destroyed oh my god! oh I think I, I I think I told you this. I was actually meant to have a date that night and I was like I don't want to go I wanted to cancel the date because I was like I just want to stay and read that's when you know the book's good. <laughs> yeah, I literally was like, I don't want to. I don't want to see this person. I just want to read my book. <laughs> All right, should we go to the characters? Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's start with Mispa, who we have mentioned. I loved her. She was such a beautiful. If she was an actual human being, what a beautiful so human being she would be. Beautiful. She would. I loved her. Um, I thought she was, in a way, some flaws, but right. I thought you could see that she had such unconditional love. With so much love you know, to give. Should we say it now? Hold okay, on. She dies. At- <laughs> okay. <laughs> she dies at the end of part one. 
as we're getting to it, I was like, oh no, it's coming. And then, it, and I was like, no, 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 it's not going to happen. And then I was like, shit, Korea. it's come. Damn it. That was the start of my tears. Right? I like, know. Like, I just, I just knew it as it was happening. I was like, I know it's coming. I know it. I know Saba. Yeah. And lo and behold, she killed her. <laughs> I just still not over it. <laughs> I'm not over it how she did it so cruelly. I mean, I'll say it now and then we can go more. Okay, so Nespa, beautiful woman who she had kidney failure. Is that what it was? Kidney failure. So she's struggling with her motel, which is a struggling business. Her husband's unemployed. He's an alcoholic. Has one son, Sal. And she gets hospitalized and her husband comes. He's having an erratic moment and Sal needs to take him home. And that is a time when Nespa is in the hospital in Noor she goes and passes away and poor Sal is not there. Like, th- I think that's what hurt more is just that her son wasn't there. I mean, not, neither was her husband. That, but I think it was like for, like for, I was feeling for Sal oh, yeah. in that moment. Of course. The thing, you know what make, made this harder is that they're both kids. Fine, like they're, Nora turns 18, but it's like they're little babies. No, the oh, trauma these kids went through. It's like them. too much. I just wanted yeah. to hug them so much. Yeah. So that I have a couple things to mention. One of the things that made this whole death even worse is that you find out that basically it was preventable. She had kidney failure, but only because she needed to have a dialysis and she just kept missing her appointments. I know that she missed, like early on, you find out she missed one because Sal couldn't go to the hospital with her because he was taking care of his father again. And so she misses that round. And she also has been missing other rounds because she doesn't want to pay for it because they don't have health care. So Again, essentially, it, it it was preventable, and that's just the worst part. I think Sal feels a lot of guilt. He feels like if he had been more aware, if he had been there for his mother, she would have been on the dialysis. I think Nor also feels the same way because basically after her and Sal have their fight, she spends less time with Mispa, so she doesn't realize how quickly she's deteriorating. Yeah, it's very sad. And then also one of the key moments takes place around the time when Mispa dies. So Nor is right there with her, and she is trying to tell Nor like her her last words to Noor and her last word is forgive which is obviously in direct contrast to the title All My Rage and Noor really grapples with this idea of trying to forgive the people around her when I mean it's so hard like she's experiencing so much we'll get into that but it's just interesting because she gets this from Mispa and she spends a lot of the time trying to decipher what it means and how she can do that. Going back for her her health issues, what peed me was her brother was a match. He just didn't want to donate. Another injustice, even more trauma. Yeah, he was. And he's like this rich, just complete, what's the word, like jerk. I guess leading up to her unfortunate death, we could talk about her as a person. She really, again, I don't know if he said this, but like just a beautiful human being. Like she was so fearful of what her husband would be like, but they actually really had such a sweet relationship, I think. I mean, I think yeah. her fault her was- Until- ignoring that he's an alcoholic and not but that was her inability to admit that yeah it's clear when when, when we we could talk about him later on but it's like it's clear they both loved each other so much yeah and you really see that when you hear about how when they first moved to california Mm -hmm. because i guess i mentioned this a little later but you, you when you're first introduced to this town where they all live in the middle of the desert in california it's it's bleak 
right? Like no one likes it. No one's happy. But when much later on the book, you hear about Mispa first moving there, she has so much hope and she loves this little town and her little motel and she's so proud of it. And that pride in her hotel is what really makes her son so determined to save the hotel from bankruptcy throughout a lot of the book. But going back to Mispa, I thought, yeah, she was just too good for this world. She was so kind to the people around her. I thought she was such a good mother. She was so attentive to her kids, of which we count Noor, even you know, even though she's not her biological mother. She listened to them. She spent so much time with them. Her and Noor would, you know, watch films together. They would listen to music together. It just it was just so sweet. She knew not how to be a smothering parent that oftentimes a lot of parents and maybe moms or like even Asian parents could be. Where yeah. so Sal goes to an experience when he's younger and basically from that he just doesn't like being touched and that includes being hugged by his parents and Mispa reorients herself to do whatever will end up being easier for Sal will make him comfortable and like there's a huge quote where she's just like well if I can't hug him well then I will do this instead for comfort if I can't do that then I will show you this or that just trying to find other ways to show her son that she loves him and that he is very capable of doing whatever in the world just wanting to make his life better because that that's all she wants she just wants him to be happy yeah. and hopeful i kind of want to go back back to there's something i think you were saying about miss and her husband th- that we see at the beginning and w- what i was saying is like they were just beautiful together where he asked what do you like to do she's like i like to read i like collecting stories i'd like to do this this that like own an inn but my mother wants me to marry and he was like why why not do both it's just clear i think it's they had a loving relationship. I just can't think of yeah. anything else. It was also so sad, though, because you see how much hope they both had together and how it all just went really downhill in the end, to be honest. Even though they did their best and they had a great time doing it, it just it's so heartbreaking. You see this young couple moving from Pakistan. They have so much hope. They literally came here with, like, a dream. And they do have that dream. Like, they do follow through with it to some extent. But then it's just because of the situation, it it all just falls apart so heartbreakingly. So in one of the chapters from this book, she's pregnant with Sal and she has some woman come to her place with a baby and was like, look, I really just need to spend the night. I don't have money. She's such a kind person. She's like, you know what? Here's a room. Stay here. She goes back and finds out that this lady has robbed her from their nice motel room. And her husband's like, what are we going to do? Miss was like, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. Which I mean, I'll be honest, I would not be on that level because that's not okay. But she's just too good for the world. Yeah. Was there one more thing? Oh, I was going to say Mispa was also like, she almost seemed like the only light in like Noor and Sal's like current like life Mm -hmm. as like high schoolers. She truly was like a haven for them, especially Noor. Like she would always come to Mispa like to get away from what was going on in her own house, honestly. And Mispa was just such a contrast to like all the bad things going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you read the story, one of the many struggles that Sal has to deal with is about the motel and trying to have this business fight because he knows this was his parents' dream, particularly his mom's, when they came over. But we come to learn that Mispa wanted to sell the motel and use that money to help send not only her own son, Sal, to college, but Noor. And I just thought that was just so beautiful that, like, like she really adopted Noor as her own. And, like, fine, yeah, maybe a cultural thing, but, like, no, like, she wanted to look after her, like, I feel like if she could have adopted her, she would have somehow, if, if possible, yeah. if she had yeah. the time. Yeah, I know. So Mispa was strong in her own ways. Yeah, no, great character. So heartbreaking that she dies, but she really, you see how much she impacts all the people around her as well. All right, let's talk about Sal or 
I don't actually know how to pronounce it as a his full name. I'm not gonna lie. I think it's like Salahuddin. Salahuddin, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Salahuddin. They, I mean, there's like a whole thing they talk about. How, yeah. like, a lot of people don't pronounce it correctly, and how his mother pronounces the full name. But obviously, we never actually know how to pronounce it. That's why I'm just going with Sal. Yeah, Sal. But it's a, it's like a beautiful, very Pakistani name. But he shortens it to Sal. Yeah. So just a sweet little boy, but also sometimes such a dumb idiot. But also like kind of like a bad book. boy. He is kind of a bad boy when you look at. I mean. Should we, should we build up to that? Do we want to just go into that immediately? We'll build up to that. Um, um, I but so lie. first of all, so, he's just to be clear, he's Misba's son, her only son. Yeah. He does come off as a bit of a bad boy. He's like dating this girl. It's like very much not a relationship his parents would approve of. And do you want to mention the quote? Because that's also kind of showing that he's kind of a bad boy too. <laughs> I think we have really different different definitions of a bad boy. Because I don't think, <laughs> I didn't think he was a bad boy in the beginning. I, at the really? end, I was like, yeah, you're, this would be classified as quote, quote, bad boy. Not in the beginning. Okay, so the quote where he's talking about him dating Ashley. And he's basically realizing it's a mistake to be with her. And he says, I knew it would be a disaster. But at least it would be a disaster I chose. I think to me when I read it, it resonated in terms of like, I guess for me with dating. To quote Nick Miller from New Girl, it's like, I know it's going to hurt at the end, but the middle part's going to be fun. And I think that's how Sal went about it. Like, it's going to be like a placebo for right now. It's going to help numb me for a bit, but it's going to hurt. It's going to be a mess either way. At the end, it's going to blow up. Oh, uh, yeah. But I did not see him as a bad boy with Ashley. Well, I guess- just like. No, I know, but he's very troubled. So, I mean, you have like the troubled bad boy because people, like kids who like, are quote-unquote bad they're bad again quotes because of other things going on in their lives and when he talks about like a disaster that he chose you immediately get the idea that there's a lot of disasters in his life that he hasn't chosen and that like life is a bit of a mess you don't know why yet but yeah just like this trouble like very troubled kid i would say he's troubled i wouldn't say he's a bad boy because like he was on all the honors courses and all that like you can still be bad boy and be smart I think I'm just gonna have to agree to disagree because I just don't <laughs> see him as a bad boy. I just I got that vibe. Of me. Like again, like it just you immediately for me. I immediately saw that he wasn't a goody two shoes. Again, like he's dating this girl that he's not really supposed to. He's had this big fight. Like but he's see, just I this, think like, I would attitude. Take, I would take them. It's like he's projecting though. His parents not once have said you can't date Ashley. You can't date a white girl. He's just saying that because he knows that's something his parents probably wouldn't like. Like, I would say he's doing that if his parents, like, don't date a white girl. And he's like, I don't care how to keep dating Ashley. I would see mm-hmm. that maybe a bit more as going out of his parents' way. But his parents are busy dealing with stuff. That yeah, I mean, that part's true enough. Look, all I can say is that's the vibe that I got. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but going off to Sal. So in the beginning, we find out, especially when he's talking about, like, Ashley, like, having her arms around him, trying to hug him all, like, he doesn't like being touched. So, I mean, I automatically was like, all right, was he abused? Like, what happened here? And I was thinking more along the terms of physical abuse. Like, was it his fate, yeah. like his dad or something? But we find out his dad has never actually hit him. His dad actually accidentally slapped him. And his dad was so shocked Sorry. that yeah. he, did, he did that because he's never laid a hand on his son. Yeah. We, you find out throughout eventually that he was assaulted as a child in the laundry room oh, that place so a bit of a heartbreaking thing. to read that and you hear about it through miss boy's point of view which is like even more heartbreaking because it's your mother finding out what happened to her child you know that said i didn't pick up early on that he had been abused i i think i more thought it was like a sensory issue 
that he just didn't don't like to be touched but not because of abuse so I thought like I personally had thought it was something like that or I guess I didn't like look into it that much so when I found out what happened I was like no like not another traumatic thing to like have happened to him he said he like lies about saying like it's a sensory thing because he does it's easier to say Mm -hmm. that than Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be touched and he also every time he he couldn't like do laundry that is to say he couldn't go into the laundry room in the motel and at one point you do see him go in and he immediately like is sick he throws up after having been in that room i did think it was interesting that sabah decided not to go into that memory so sal had gone to therapy for a bit but then his mom stopped it and his pediatrician had wanted for Mispo to get Sal to come back in to talk it through. And I thought I found it interesting that the pediatrician she kept being like, Oh, did your mom tell you? And he's just like, No, but you know, it's okay. Like, I don't need to know right now. He's mm-hmm. like, I know something happened. I'm aware of that, but I don't need to know like what exactly. And I, I found that an interesting path for the story to go. I thought it was realistic though, because I it's most people would repress that memory. With that, but also that Saba didn't even go into sharing with us what it could have been. Like, it, he might have maybe brought it up in one of his therapy sessions, but then blocked it. We don't know. I just thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. Like, we never will know what happened. But then I was like, that's not the focus of the story. Yeah. Exactly. I, I would assume exactly. that it was her thing to make it that it's not the focus of the story. Yeah, exactly. It's not the focus. And it's almost, I mean, again, like you have it, you have hints peppered throughout, and then you have the whole flashback. But I was almost so shocked that such a big thing was hidden and also not, I think it's, I think it's interesting that's not a big part of the story. And I kind of, I mean, I think it's just showing that like trauma happens to people and I mean, in so many different ways. I guess to move on a bit, I really, I mean, we feel feel for all of these characters, but he was like so angry with having to look after his dad when his mom got oh, hospitalized and like be with him when his mom passed away. And he's very angry at his dad. And he says at some point, it's not my job to like look after you. It's like your job yeah. to be my parent. You need yeah. to step up. And it's so hard watching a kid have to do this for their parent. You know, like one- Can't imagine. Like, he, he cares about his dad, obviously, but he says, there's only so much I can do. Like I can't keep doing this. And yeah. the motel is already struggling. So- the burden has fallen onto his shoulders, like from his mom's to his now. And he's just running around trying to avoid debt collectors and all this. And it's a lot. And so like, it's obviously taking a toll on him, adding to his troubled lifestyle that I guess we could go into it now that he ends up taking up a classmate's offer to sell drugs and as a means to make money. And I think that was his only option that he saw feasible. That he saw. And this is that he saw it's like he he did not share this with nor not that she would be in a financial situation to help but he just felt like he had no he couldn't share this with anyone as a whole yeah. thing because which is why he ended up going on this route yeah because maybe if he had talked to nor she might have said maybe talk to the local imam maybe they could do something to help it was a motel that was just basically in the grave for lack of better words and- yeah i mean he was desperate and you see yeah that and it's like his dad and i think even was like well you could sell it and he was like we're not doing this because he was doing whatever he could to keep his mom's dreams alive oh man like that's when i when, when it got to him like starting to sell drugs i was like where is this book going like i'm confused <laughs> oh i know because you just you just know that nothing good can come out of it and he also he yeah. doesn't he doesn't want to do it he knows that nor 
would be so upset if she found out he was selling drugs but you also see you just see how desperate he is and how he feels he has no other person to turn to no other option he just feels very isolated and so he sees this one way out and to give him credit it does actually work he does make enough to cover the debt so at some point he sells enough to be like or he he also realizes like he'll never make enough to really put the motel in a good place but he's also made enough that maybe he should like stop and so that goes through his mind and at one point he's like okay and this is what I was confused about he's like okay enough I'm going to dump all my goods back at Art's place and I thought that he went there and dropped all the stuff off did he not do that no I I think what it was is because he had encountered Noor and he saw her after that situation with her uncle that he was like trying to focus on her and then they eventually get stopped by the police yeah so basically maybe he got distracted with the whole drug thing yeah. and then he sees more and i don't i think we should wait to get to her to talk about it yeah i won't talk about that but basically they, they get pulled over by the police a normal car like fine they were speeding a bit I, it's, yeah, but it's racism. Police, like you, it's very clear. The police pull them over, and then you know they just see a tall brown kid, and so then they're like, "All right, what's happening?" And long story short, they basically pull them both out because they they find bottle of pills and stuff. So both kids are arrested, and it's yeah. And Sal asks Nor to like hide some stuff. Yeah, it goes down very poorly. But so leading up to this. And this is where I want to bring it back to Ashley that I like, I think she was a good person after the fact, but she was also just a stupid person and a terrible mother, in my opinion. Mm. So Ashley is a drug addict. I like I sympathy because it's like she has whatever hip or back pains from like giving birth, but is like addicted to whatever like pain meds. She had asked Sal for some and he caves and gives her like two pills, not knowing that she did the same thing to her cousin Art. Yeah. She ODs. Would that already have happened in the background? The police are like, oh, you're the drug dealer. So that's not helping Sal's case of being found with drugs or pills in his possession. Yeah. And talking about Ashley too, one of the things she asked Sal pretty much right after his mother dies is whether he can Mm -hmm. slip her some of his mother, his dead mother's pain meds. But so he, Sal is like horrified by the fact that Ashley almost dies because of him and Art. I mean, not because Mm -hmm. of them, but you know, that's, he sells her the drug but she also would have gotten it from somewhere else i'm sure if she didn't get it from them but that's also what part of makes him want to stop which is again i think he clearly was about to like offload but then gets distracted and ends up being in the car with Nora and gets caught with all the merchandise and it's also frustrating because you see it's like he's already made the decision decision to stop selling at this point but he still just has all the drugs still in his car you see it's just like a series of like unfortunate events and timing. I mean, almost, <laughs> you know, it kind of reminded me of like a series of unfortunate events. I'm telling you, like every time something bad happens, you're like, oh, not again. <laughs> every time we came, I knew we we're coming near the end of a part. I was like, shit's going to hit the fan. Like, <laughs> we're, we're screwed. Like some of it, I knew it was coming. I really, yeah. I could see it. And I still not ready. <laughs> still not or ready. happy about it at all. Yeah. But. I mean, do we want to talk about how he goes to jail? Yeah, so he gets arrested. There's a trial and all. We'll go into that later. But long story short, kid goes to jail and it's just... Again, it's not where I was expecting the story to go. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Me too. But I thought I I kind of liked that he went to jail because it was almost like so disappointing. Obviously, like, of course, I didn't want him to go to jail. I wanted him to like get a plea deal or like get. T- I don't know. Like, I wanted him to be found not guilty, even though he was carrying drugs. Like, I. I mean, we could talk about it when when we talk about Sal and Nor. I he just went through so much, and I was like, uh, another thing on top of all I know. of this. Like, I just can't I know. even. It, I was like, how can it even? Like, how are you still? going like like both these kids but especially Sal because we've just clearly talked about all the things he's like experiencing and dealing with on top of like just going to school school work mm-hmm. like being a kid like how can one person possibly deal with that and I thought about that for like a lot of like every single person in this entire story I was like you are dealing with too much yeah every single person even like Ashley whose mother was a young single mother who herself is a young single mother who is also addicted to drugs and is clearly experiencing chronic pain to you know Mispa and her husband who has his own trauma nor who has her you know fair share to deal with Nor's uncle who also has a lot of trauma that has not manifested in a very very good way for him even we'll talk about later like all the other people in this town it just this, this book really could be a, just called a series of unfortunate events as I say, the title is so fitting because yeah. let me find it because I, I marked it to, to bring up. Um, okay, here it is. It's like, anger fills me up so fast. It's like, it's just waiting in my mind. The second I pay attention to it, it takes over. Later on. Or the word for a man so vengeful about his own past that he wants to jo- destroy your future. Anger is not the right word. Rage. That's what this feeling is. Eating me up. And honestly... That's what I felt this entire book. I had a lot of rage in me. And yeah. I'll talk about it more when we talk about Salinor, but it's like I could resonate, I think, with their anger slash mm-hmm. rage at what they experienced. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Do you have anything um, else to say about Sal? No, but I mean, just uh, it's heavy stuff. Like when you really get into like all the, th- all the things that he's going through. But I think we I covered most of it. There's one thing I think we could talk about. So he... He is a writer, and he has, like, a little notebook oh, he yes. carries around with him just to write stuff. Yeah, But he, he basically stopped leading up to his mom passing away and, like, just really stopped afterwards. And you see parts where he's like, you know what, I really should write this, this, or this, but he doesn't. But he does pick it up, actually, when he's in jail. And he decides then to start writing basically a story about his parents and, like, them coming to the U.S. and his, his friendship with Noor, which, all in all, is this, the entire book of All My Rage. Yeah. Which I saw coming, but I was also like, this is too cute. I love it. But would have loved to see more about him writing, if possible. About his writing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of, you hear him you helping Nor with her English essays, that kind of thing. But yeah, I love the fact that he, he was a writer and that jail actually gave him the opportunity to write. Like, I'm just so glad that he didn't experience even more trauma in jail because he so easily could have like been beaten up and abused more in jail. But he is like, the, you know, he's this tall kid. He is intimidating in his own way. So like no one like tries to attack him thank goodness i could not have dealt with that at this point i, I really and, was like i i will end this book now i was yeah. like i won't even finish it i was like i'm done um but he's There's only to, so much trauma we could endure ourselves i know i know right so then yeah writing basically saves him which is beautiful chef's kiss yeah it's a good way to end um, about sal i think all right let's talk about nor then yes Ooh, so much to get into. Yeah, I mean, should we talk about how we're introduced to her before we get into, I guess, the heavier stuff? Yeah. It just felt for her. Like, so she came, you know, she moved to the U.S. after 
pretty much her entire most of her family passed away in an earthquake yeah in pakistan her whole family like their house i believe pretty much fell in on them right during an earthquake but her uncle the one she lives with now literally dug her out of the rubble there's a a sense of obligation to him that she feels that like she needs to repay him and it's a curious thing because when you're introduced to that she keeps saying it to herself and at first i just i actually thought when we're reading i was like is this like a typo i'm really confused because we'll have moments where she's chanting it back to herself the story that her uncle traveled all this way dug her out lost his fingernails digging her out through the rubble bleeding and all that he quits going to university had to get a job to look after and all that so there's a serious sense of obligation to repay him it was interesting seeing that the second time and then once i saw it the third time i was like okay this is a this is a thing she tells herself as a a reminder yeah and it's interesting now that you bring that up because at first you think oh like she's telling this to herself because maybe she is so grateful but then you quickly realize that she's telling this to herself because it's what keeps her kind of sane or it's what helps her like keep all her rage in because it's the only way she can justify the way her uncle treats her basically which is yes horribly I think that's what I was like struggling with and things I could understand the first time and maybe the second time by the third time I was like okay no this is like an abuse right there but like the first and second time I was like this is like definitely a thing I've felt and I, I know like a lot of other like brown kids have felt of that sense of obligation and owing your parents because like oh they've done this this and this of immigrating and all that stuff and so I could see that with her being like okay well I have to work at my uncle's gas station store I can't be basically be doing all these other things that I'd want to like it's school to my part-time job to work and that's all I could really travel to and felt like she messed up a bit of a childhood she had those like very early years because how old was she when she was found by her uncle like eight nine eight or nine and so that was the other hard thing where so she's moved to the U.S. she doesn't speak English right so she really struggled acclimating to school and at that same time we could talk about when we get to Sal over like Sal also was like struggling at school but here are two brown kids in like a sea of white children who find each other and befriend each other and we'll talk about it again when we get to the two of them but like I just thought that was so sweet that she had someone there uh no what you said is true obviously it just it's just a funny it was a sweet picture um no but like I I mean I get it that's what my high school felt like I clicked with a person who was also South Asian grew up in place like you click with someone who like who can get in a way your cultural context of stuff like otherwise like you do feel isolated but yeah, no, so Noor, sweet person, like, you know, so she really worked hard, though, in school to, like, be a top student. I think she was in the running, basically, with another student, Jamie, to be considered for valedictorian, yeah. But her main focus really is, well, while she's feeling that sense of obligation to her uncle to repay him, her main focus, she really wants to become a doctor, so she's doing whatever she can to get good grades, get into good schools, essentially to escape. Like, while she feels obligated to him, she's just like, well, once she's got into that school, she's gonna basically say bye, which good for her because her uncle also, you know, she's lost her whole family, come to a new country, new culture, new language. And her uncle wants her to rid herself of all the cultural context that she's had, like to stop speaking Urdu, Punjabi, to not practice Islam. Like his, his relationship with internalized 
racism is very interesting. I mean, he also, the way he describes Pakistan to Noor is, is so different than obviously how Noor sees it, how Sal sees it, how Mispa even sees it. So you really see this like, these like very two different point of views. But I feel bad obviously for the uncle, but nothing will ever justify how he treats Noor. And I don't know, do we want to get into it now? Like, before we get to that, I, I did want to share. So, like, it tied with her wanting to escape Juniper so badly is that we come to like learn that, like, again, didn't I didn't pick up on these hints initially until like a little bit further in and we got more context. But in her backpack, she carries extra clothes with her, her passport, and stuff because she's just always ready to go on the run. I think we can go into the reason why she's ready for the run. Yes, which we only find out towards. The latter end of the book, really, she's being physically abused by her uncle. And when we find sorry, out- Sorry, wait. Physically, emotionally, and verbally abused. Okay, true. Yes, exactly. And we only really find out- I mean, the, the emotional and the verbal abuse is pretty clear, right? But you only find out the physical abuse much later. But you And then you can like kind of see all the clues because I think Sal starts realizing as well. And you kind of realize with him um, all the clues. And it was just- I was like, no. Like after- Because she's already been through so much, right? She has her whole childhood trauma. And then she lives with this uncle who was already so horrible to her. And she has- you know, this bully at school, she had this huge fight with Sal, then Mispa dies, who's like her, her adopted mother, basically. And um, she's trying so hard to apply to uni. And then you find out that she's also dealing with this. And I was like, no, like, how much more can one person deal with? That's how I felt like about every single person. Like, I mean, the main characters, basically, Sal and Noor. I was like, how much can you possibly go through? I know we're going to talk some middle stuff with her and Sal, but I wanted to like jump to the end a bit. Well, we've already said Sal's in jail. So while he's in jail, Noor manages to get in uni. And I was really happy reading about her meeting her college roommate and them hitting it off. I really think she needed a girlfriend. Oh, seriously, like, yes, yeah. like Sal is like her best friend, but it's like she needed, it's like having a girlfriend is very, as a woman, as a girl, necessary i think it's it's very it's a different type of friendship that you do need i think you need personally and i was just really happy that she had that after all the horrible stuff yeah i'm glad that like things ended well like not to you know tie everything up with a nice bow at the end but i'm glad that things did end up well for her and i'm so glad she got into university because you know it is a really big thing like does she get in because she applies she ends up applying to i think five schools and throughout the story you hear oh she got rejected from this one she got rejected she got rejected by near the end you're like did she get into any is she gonna be stuck here and you're like no um so i like i mean it was kind of fun that it was held out till the end do you have anything else just to say on nor herself or should we just go on to her relationship with Sal. Uh, yeah, let's go into her relationship with Sal. Yeah, let's talk about, I guess, the fight first that we're yeah, introduced. And it was like the fight as it yeah. was labeled. So we don't know synopsis. anything. I just said it's labeled the fight. And so you really don't know what it is or exactly what happened. It's just like this big thing between them. And so you're immediately, you know, that there's like a lot of big feelings um, between them and that their relationship is the central theme of the story, would you say? I would say the central focus. Yeah, the central focus, because that's what it starts with. And that's what it ends with. What happens in the fight? The fight came about because Noor had the spine to admit to Sal that she has a crush on him, that she likes him, and try to kiss him. Which, I mean, I guess to be fair, slightly too far given that we've talked about his aversion to people touching him. He, long story short, rejected her, and that obviously hurt her, hence the fight. And yeah, he's just a stupid boy for all of this. But also, again, he's a boy. Yeah. Like, sadly, what can you expect from, like, a 16, 17-year-old yeah. of, like, yeah. 
Yeah, he is like a young, but they're both young. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's interesting because when we first, when we're first introduced to both characters, they have like a lot of distance between them. So you don't see them together. Um, You just kind of hear about like certain bits, but you just have their own like stories happening. And then slowly you, you see them kind of growing back together. But before we talk about like them coming back together, I want to mention, I think we mentioned it briefly about how they met when they were kids. And I thought that was so cute. Like once we got that flashback of how, um, I think it was obviously Sal first in his school and he was really struggling so much because of what happened to him around that age. And then you have Noor who just came over from Pakistan. And I just I just really loved that. Like I love that they were like best friends from day one. I thought that was really cute. They're, yeah, they were cute friends to lovers situation. So like once they eventually find their way back to each other as friends, especially following Misma's death, I really loved reading about Sal realizing his feelings for Noor. That was fun. And I think I think I yeah. read quotes like earlier um, about like how he's describing her eyes and like how like basically his head would spin just like looking at her. And I was like, oh my God, this is so poetic and cute. And why does no one talk about me like this? Because if you say I look pretty, I don't want that. I want you to say you got vertigo. I need some lyrical stuff like that. Thank you. <laughs> the bar is now raised um, it, it, the, yeah the bar was always high but it's <laughs> like on a different level I thought it was this beautiful him realizing they've had like really hor- like we said horrible stuff happening but mm-hmm. for him to see the beauty and stuff yeah and that's why I'm glad we got both their perspectives I mean first of all I love a dual perspective novel especially a dual perspective YA novel for some reason just always hits but because you I feel like in so many books where there is a romance aspect you just get this one point of view and you know oftentimes it's the woman's point of view and so you always see what they think and how they feel but it's nice to get the guy's perspective so I agree it was cool to see him realize that he really likes her as well and also you know what it is I just think crushes are cute yeah (laughs) they're just sweet Uh, yeah yeah and the worst but they're the best meeting that for other people (laughs) so true But I guess to go on a darker side, we've said again, they went through so much. And I just want to take both of their like pain away. But it's like you could resonate with their different types of anger because they're both going through different things, right? I mean, I could get why they're both angry and full of rage. And then it just gets worse and worse. Like as we said, like everything just gets so much worse. But it really starts with like, so Miss Ba dies, as we've mentioned. And that's actually what brings them together, which, you know, is what she would have wanted anyways. But so her death brings them together because Noor is, you know, there for Sal and his family. And they're just immediately, they're trying to help each other out. They're grieving together. That's what it is. Yeah. Should we talk about loop back to Sal getting arrested and stopped by the police? So Sal on his way to, or like he's decided he's going to stop selling drugs to return them to art at that same time this is when we were introduced about nor being physically abused by her uncle and it just got really bad with him beating her to the point where like it's very visible on her face she's like i don't know heading out to get to sal wherever safe sal comes across her and so then whisks her away and wants to like go to the police and deal with her uncle and she's like i don't want to deal with this right now like just distract me so they go off do some cute stuff, fly a kite to spend some time together. That was so cute. That scene was so cute. And then they're driving back and then that is when they get stopped by the police, pulled over. Sal 
is like quickly trying to hide the drugs that he has on him tells nor put your backpack on top of them like put these under your seat because he's still not told her like what he was doing anyway so they get pulled over by the police and you know the police have him step out but then they see nor's face bruised and all that from a beating and they think that sal's beat her up been an abusive boyfriend and she doesn't share that this is her uncle this is this also like a cascade of issues right there that they've got him not only for drugs but also abuse and then the worst part too is that he was really only stopped and searched because he is brown well right before that he was speeding and he acknowledged that but yeah, it but was like, harsher like, because of his yeah. skin tone like i don't think they would have searched him if he was white i would highly doubt that but yeah the whole thing was so unfortunate this is when nor finds out then properly that sal was selling drugs and she's obviously livid she's been implicated in this now because they think she's involved so they're in jail the police are talking to them separately trying to get one of them to like turn on the other you know just the typical stuff long story short this is when you see them like especially nor just even more full of rage at sal the thing that or like the the piece of hay that broke the camel's back or whatever for nor was that not only did her best friend lie to her and like also her you know this guy she's in love with lied to her but to her took away her opportunity to get into university because you know if she has this jail sentence on her profile she's not going to be able to go to these schools or she'll I mean she might even just be in jail right so I think that's really just what made it so 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 bad for her because she like she was so close in her mind right to to be able to go and then everything just falls apart yes so they have like two separate lawyers and so her lawyer is the wife of the imam who's doing whatever she can to help nor like because i think they've kind of realized a bit more about her uncle and so they've taken her under the wing but her lawyer and his lord are kind of doing whatever they can to pin on the other sal was doing whatever he could to help nor like calling his dad get her a lawyer like do what you can he's taking ownership and responsibility for this she was not found guilty of anything Sal was, but he got a reduced sentence, so yeah, that was okay. It was interesting that Sal actually goes to jail, because I wasn't sure that he would. I mean, I think it's also to show, like, there are consequences to your actions. Yeah. Which, like, again, this is a young adult read. Please explain basic things like this to kids, that there are consequences, <laughs> or, like, you know, like, general life lessons in the books. Yeah. So. I guess the very last thing about them is that while he's in jail and she's at university and they've drifted apart again, they do come together because I think Noor starts sending him books to read and their story isn't over yet. So let's just briefly cover Sal's dad. He was an interesting one where I think, I can't remember when this was, if this was like leading up to his marriage to Mispa or like when she was pregnant, but him being concerned with what type of parent he would be and if he would like resonate his mom or the man who raised him is not actually his biological dad, but his stepdad. I just thought that was a very telling of his character because his mom's an alcoholic. His dad was like a very loving man who took in his mom and him, but then for him to also then turn into an alcoholic after his parents freak death oh it's so yeah. bad it's so bad he he was a hard character to read about because it is so sad to, to see this to read about this young kid and then also see what's happening with his father who's just so not able to help in any form uh like to, so sal's dad really has some issues as we said he's an alcoholic but he has a lot of trauma and i think a lot of the characters, like, you really delve into their trauma a lot of the times. Like, you see 
at least like a little bit where it has come from. And so his dad really did have some difficulties in his life. Like his parents had a really unfortunate death. And I think what made it even harder for me was the fact that you also see how much quote-unquote potential his dad has like didn't he come to the town they're living to be either like an engine like some kind of engineer or something? yeah so I was just I think about he just had waves because you know his parents died well before they even moved to California it was like after yeah. their death yeah he was like all right we're moving so it makes sense to hit the bottle then but he was doing well in his job and then I think he just like had mo- like those moments where something might have happened or triggered him that led him to the bottom. And I think one of them might have been when Sal was, yeah, I was gonna assaulted. Say. We're introduced to him being an alcoholic. And I'm like, did something happen? Did someone die recently yeah. for uh, this? Yeah. But it's like, it wasn't. It was just, I think he definitely was in his head. And I think, I mean, with Mispa being unwell, I don't think that helped him. Yeah, I was going to say. We, we, didn't get, we didn't get his point of view of things. Like he, he could yeah. have been like, oh, I'm not doing anything for my wife. She's doing so poorly. I'm such a terrible husband. Let me hit the bottle. But it's like, is that what you were thinking? Like, are you still thinking about your parents? Who knows? So we can only just make assumptions, really. I was going to say, now that I think about it a little more too, like him going back to the bottle, it really could be him thinking, everyone who is connected with me is suffering because like his parents suffered a terrible death his wife is so ill his son got assaulted like all the people he cares about the most seem to suffer and he maybe he feels like it's his fault I mean there's so many ways to to analyze but the fact is he really struggled to deal with the traumas in his life and it was just so heartbreaking to see how it affected Sal. I think we just gone at like this was such a heartbreaking read and I don't know if we should keep this in or not. I don't know if it makes it harder because he seemed like a good guy. It wasn't like he was yeah. an abusive man. He cared about he loved his wife. He loved his son. Like when he was erratic in the hospital and he his arm flailed and he slapped Sal and he was like, Oh my god, like I didn't yeah. mean to. You could tell like he's always been so concerned with will I be a good father or not and he really cares for his Sal and Noor yeah right like he wants to be there for them it's such a contrast to Noor's uncle who who doesn't suffer from alcoholism that we or like of any type that we know of but is very mean and very abusive is and is not kind and well-meaning like Sal's dad is but but it makes it like it makes it harder for everyone to see that like what Nora is going through because like you know it's Sal they're like oh your dad is clearly like he has all these issues like makes it more obvious that something's going on whereas like Nora it was really hard for anyone to really find out what's happening to her because they had no idea that her uncle would do that to her now do you want to talk about the school in the town yeah all right one of my main things is with such a burning passion and the, the word I'm, that verb i'm going to use does not even is like a pure understatement i hated jamie with so much so much rage in my body i wish i was a student in the school so i could hit her for nor she is like portrayed as like i think you're a typical school bully I don't care how blatant this comes out, that typical white American girl who has to pick on the girl of color who's doing really well in school, who's an academic rival. Fine, be be rivals. We, we, we had that in our school, right? Academic rivals. But for her to zero in on Noor, who's just a quiet student, keeping her head down, trying to go about her time in school so she can do well and get into college, right? And go off and get away from her uncle. For her to zero in on Noor and bully her... And fixate and obsess over her was just strange. I was like, why are you 
obsessed with Noor. I don't get it. But she was such a racist. She was like, again, oh my God, the the stuff that she would say to Noor, she deserved getting punched by Noor. I was so. Oh, yeah. I mean, she Noor deserved everything her. that she got. Yeah. And, oh, uh, no, the worst was when, like, when Noor punched her, and like Noor got in trouble for all oh, that. Made me so angry. Well, <gasps> my my thing is this is like leading up to that. Janie was obviously egging her on in class. Yeah. And what I just found so baffling, and I've had this with other books I've read, where it's like, do teachers not say anything? Because oh. she was so clear in her bullying in front of this teacher that this teacher was just like not disciplining yeah. her, reprimanding her. But I could pick. I feel like back in Saudi, there were some teachers who. Be like, like, give you a look or something. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, the whole point of, I guess, like us talking about like Jamie and the rest of this town is like, for the most part, it they're all pretty racist. In general, you would say this is like a racist town, even if they don't really realize it. The justice that I did like was Ashley record basically yeah. recorded Jamie being racist. a racist bully to Norn yeah. attacking her, yeah. and Ashley sharing basically being like, I don't care. Share, spreading this around and Jamie was meant to go to Princeton her somehow getting that in the hands of the Princeton deed and yeah. getting Jamie kicked out of Princeton and any other school she got into and being pulled from giving her valedictorian speech and I was like there is justice yeah which was really needed because that it was really thing, needed you just kept thinking where is yeah the silver lining yeah like there's so much bad stuff happening on top of each other there's like oh my god there is karma out yeah there. Yeah, 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 exactly. We we needed something, so I'm glad we got that. What else? I mean, I guess aside from like everyone in this town being like pretty racist, other things I noticed, a lot of drugs. I mean, I don't know how big this town is. It didn't seem that big, but I was like, everyone, <laughs> all the kids are taking drugs in this place. Like, I mean, which makes sense because it sounded like a horrible place to grow up. Like, no offense. It's just so funny because I mean, I think we talked about how the only person who seemed to like the town was Mispa. And like from her point of view, it seemed like a nice place. But like from every single other person's point of view, this is like a horrible place. It just sounded like such a depressing place to be. And I hate saying that. Like I'm sure like all places have their merit. But it, yeah, it's like the type of place where dreams go to die. That's what it seemed like. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, it, well, no, it sounds like the place where like in Norse case, you're doing anything you can to get out of yeah. the town because it's rough. Yeah, in such contrast to like how excited Mispa was to come there and that she like her dream was born there. But then it's like so many bad things happened. Um, sorry, looking at your notes, like going back to the racism thing, I am not for violence, guys, but Jamie, oh my god, I felt rage. She brought up because basically while she was trying to egg on Noor, was just like because Noor's thing is that she carries her passport with her, like her clothes and stuff, because she's like just basically so triggered and traumatized by yeah. her uncle that she's like she's ready, ready to, to be run. on the run yeah. if she needs just to be. Jamie, for a dumb reason, like pulls her bag and finds her passport and the green card. And it's like, oh, like, and it's an worst. expired passport, I think. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, you're here illegally. Like, let me call ICE. And I was just like, what is wrong with kids saying stuff yeah. like, like, this is not funny no. in America in this day and age, in the last 10 years, 15 years. This is not funny. You don't say that. Yeah. No, also Jamie got worse and worse. Like I don't know if you noticed like, in the beginning, I was like, oh, she's just jealous of sees Nora's arrival. Yeah. It, it, like- it, but it got progressively like more aggressive and just worse. I don't know. Maybe that was like on purpose. I'm trying to think what the meaning behind that is. I think it just built up. I mean, as with the rest of the story, it just was building. Like, you know, in the beginning, you're like, oh, things are like obviously not good. But you think, oh, it's just that like there's this fight between Nora and Sal, right? And then like, and just everything gets so much worse like nothing gets better 
<laughs> until like the very end. But I guess maybe that's even with the Jamie thing and the racism thing. It, yeah, it's really this inferno that Sabatahir brings in this book. <laughs> overall thoughts um i think it's clear that we love this book but i highly recommend not to read this in public don't do that it did not go well for me and i was like only doing a few chapters Um, like sip in the tissue box i was crying nonstop. i was a complete mess i like that this book made me feel so much emotion i think that's what you want especially from a book geared towards young adults it just makes you feel all the feels the title is called all my rage i think it really brings the rage and the emotion out of you which is good like it uh what's the word like it held up to the promise you know what I mean? It delivered on its promise. It, deli- it delivered. Like it would have been frustrating if it was called All My Rage and then you were like, uh, like I don't really feel what that rage. Much. Yeah. yeah, like what anything, you know? I yeah. think I think it was actually a really good a reminder that you just said that like this is a young adult book. And I think, I know we talked about this actually when we were talking about like book censorship and stuff. I don't know if I'd want like a 12 year old reading this. It's like intense. It's like an intense amount of emotions. Yeah. But, oh, you know what? Maybe a 12 year old versus like a 10 year old. I'd say like start a middle yeah. school. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. But I think it's a really good read because then you are, you're learning that racism, bad. Friendship, good. I think it's good to introduce those basic concepts of life and interacting with people in a young adult book. Yeah, I guess the only thing that like stood out to me as being, I'm not gonna say unrealistic, because obviously I couldn't tell you if this is unrealistic or not. But I think the whole time I was like, is this can it possibly be this bad for people like, and I guess this book didn't focus on a lot. I mean, it, it did focus on certain small moments of joy, like when Mispa and Noor would, you know, watch their dramas and take tea together and how, you know, Noor and Sal's own love story. There were those moments, I, I guess, but I there was just so much hurt and pain and struggle. And even the people who are well off, like Jamie is like relatively well off, but she's obviously miserable to have to be so mean to other people. Even Art, like why does he need to sell drugs if he like, has a very comfortable life? Like he seems very lonely. I think I think Sal mentions that like everyone in this story seems so so unhappy except for Auntie Mispa even though she still had a lot of struggles but it was just again like I said her outlook on life that made her able to keep going. So what I was going to say is bring it back to what you said earlier about this town. I think it's that town it just sucks yeah. something out of those people. I think the only people who, not even Mispa, because I think she was just like on cruise control. I think the only people who were like positive, um, I forgot his name, but the imam and his wife. Oh, you're so right. You're so right. They were great. I love them. They they were newcomers. So they were new to the town. Yeah. So I think that was a difference. But I think everyone is just like stunted. I think it's that town that was just like soul sucking and just like a deep pit of like misery. Yeah, no, that's what it seemed like. But no, this is definitely a book that, I mean, I convinced my friend when I went on that book crawl, I saw my rage and I was like, buy it. And he did. And he was in the middle of reading Akatar, actually. Okay. But then he had texted me, he's like, I've started all my rage. And he was like, I like how Sabatihir writes. Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's like that people can immediately pick up on her writing. I think that just says a lot about her, I think. She's oh, yeah, She's such a no. seasoned writer. For sure. And I love her writing. I think she is such a great storyteller. I It definitely makes me, I mean, I've, I've loved everything she's written. So I'm excited to see what else she comes out with. And I'm very glad to have discovered her. Thanks to you, Aisha. Anytime. Um, so to our audience, have you read All My Rage? If so, please share with us your thoughts. Do you agree with what we're thinking? Like our pure rage and sadness and need for tissues? If you haven't read it, do you feel inclined to read it? 
I do recommend you do, even though this episode was filled with spoilers. Like we said, Sabatier is a beautiful writer. If anything, read it for her storytelling. Or read yeah. The Ember in the Ashes if this episode made you interested in anything Sabatier writes, too. Read all of them. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. We want to thank you for joining us today and hope that you'll continue on this bookish journey with us. Don't forget to rate and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 